Amen. Amen. Yes. Bless the Lord this morning. How, how's everybody doing? Well, if you haven't noticed, I'm not Pastor Rick. He's taking the night off, and I am happy to fill in. But let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer, and let's prepare ourselves for what the Lord would minister to us tonight by his word. Father, we, we do thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for just a little more time with you. We thank you for the reign of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good and gracious, loving, faithful God. We bless you. And Lord, we ask tonight as we gather as, as a people of God that you would minister to us according to your word, according to your spirit, according to your will. Open our eyes to see and to hear. Prepare our hearts to receive and to do. Prepare our feet to walk the path that you, would, you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here we have a movie, but we have no popcorn. I know, I know. Anyway, we're going to see a quick uh, snippet according to Acts 3, and then we'll get into the word. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. courts walking and jumping and praising God when all the people saw him walking and praising God they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him while the beggar held on to Peter and John all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade when Peter saw this he said to them men of Israel why does this surprise you? 
Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Had a little visual reading of what was going on at that moment. Let's kind of break it down. It's it's an exciting thing that's happening here, and let's let's partake of it and and enjoy what is going on. First of all, Peter and John are walking to the temple about three o'clock in the afternoon for a time of prayer. For gathering of prayer. Now think about this. Let, let's just break it down for a second. Peter. Less than 60 days ago. Peter. Denied the Lord three times. Peter. And let's. Let's think of the words of Jesus. Spoken over Peter. As he prophesies over Peter. And he says. Simon Peter answered. And when Jesus says, who do men say I am? It was Simon Peter who stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. This is Peter. Peter. 
This is Peter fulfilling or walking in what God is calling him to be. This Peter. This is the Peter who said to Jesus, even though all may fall away because of you, I will not fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. Less than 60 days ago, that was Peter. That was Peter. Less than 60 days ago, Peter's in the garden with the other disciples. And Jesus asked, Can, could you not stay with me or awake for one hour? This St. Peter couldn't pray for one hour. And now he's making a beeline to the temple to pray. This St. Peter, when Jesus was crucified and, and rose again, and though he had witnessed his resurrection, this St. Peter was in a room and, with Thomas and Nathaniel and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to, the, to this crew, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into a boat that night and caught nothing. See, Peter didn't know what to do with his life. The Lord restored him. He forgave him. But he was idle. And the only thing that Peter knew to do was to go back to what he knew to do. That's Peter. That's the Peter walking to the temple. Now, John. Now, if anyone that I would have looked at and said was a rock, I would see John more as a rock than, than Peter. See, there was the 12. Then there was the three. And then there was the one. And John was the one who got closest to Jesus out of the 12. We see John at the Last Supper in John 13, 23 to 24. They were, they was, there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples. John was laying his head on the chest of Jesus. Now that's, that's close. It's nowhere else in Scripture you see anyone else get that close to Jesus that he actually lays his head on and listens to his heartbeat. He's laying on the chest of Jesus. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. So Jesus, Peter asked John to find out who Jesus is talking about. Jesus, reveal to me who it is that you're saying is going to deny you. Then, there, then there's John at the cross. All the disciples had fled. 
Peter denied and was nowhere to be found. The other ten disciples had scattered. But then there's John. And in John 19, 25 through 27, it says, Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour the disciple took into his own household. Here's John, the only one standing at the cross with Jesus' mother and the other women that have followed. John, this John is at the temple, is, is walking with Peter at the temple gate. These are who, who's there now. And they're taking part in the three o'clock prayer. Now remember, this is the same disciples that asked Jesus to teach him to pray. These, these two are now going to pray. How did this transformation happen? Well, we know how it happened. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They've been filled with the Spirit. They've been changed. And now they're in pursuit of God. They're following the example of Jesus. Remember, less than 60 days ago, Jesus said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. Now what did Jesus ask them to do? He asked them to pray less than 60 days ago, and they couldn't couldn't endure. And he finds them sleeping. Now here they are walking to the temple, and praying. What a transformation it has happened in their lives. And he comes to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping? This is when Jesus went a second time to pray and he comes back and resting and he says, behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. These disciples now, these two men are answering the call to prayer in the middle of the afternoon. Now while they're on their way, they come upon a divine appointment. As we see in verses 2 and 3, and there was a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple which is called Beautiful in order to beg alms of those who are entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. So now we have a God-ordained moment. Although Peter and John have no idea what's about to take place, they're in the midst of what God is about to do in their midst. 
Here's a lame man. And it says that he was lame since birth. He had to be carried to the temple. And if you kind of remember, the, the disciples witnessed another lame man being carried when Jesus was with them, but he was carried to the roof. And now here they are. Here's a lame man that's being carried to the temple. This man is reduced to begging. And he has a chance encounter with Peter and John. Now, I wonder, but Jesus, less than 60 days ago, was at the temple teaching. I wonder if Jesus came across this man and said, hang on. Your answer's coming in just a little while. Now, he, he may not have said that to him. But this man, they said, was placed at the temple, at the, at the temple daily. Jesus taught at the temple. I have a feeling. Now, it's, I'm not saying this is theological. But I, had a feel, I have a feeling Jesus saw this man. But remember, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And so it wasn't this, this man's time. But his answer was on the way. I'm sure this man was seeing these people walk back and forth. He's in the temple. He's in the presence of God. And he's asking for his own. He's asking for his healing. But his healing hadn't come yet. And even though Jesus was in the midst, the healer was there. The healer. He had heard of his reputation. And yet, it wasn't his time. He had heard that he had made the lame walk. He had made the blind to see. He had raised the dead. And he heard that Jesus was in the temple, but he couldn't get to him. Can you imagine what this man was going through a few months prior? The healer is here. Where's my healing? The healer is in, in the midst of the temple. But I couldn't get to him. You can imagine Jesus probably may have saw him and just knew that, hold on. Your answer's coming. Your answer's coming. And their answer, this young man's answer, was Peter and John. So he looks at Peter and John, and he looked for what he had always looked for, loose change. His expectation was small, but he's, having, he's about to have an encounter with two men whose faith is strong. Peter and John are moving in faith and power of the Holy Spirit. Peter and John look on him intently. Have you ever had anybody other than your mother stare at you intently? You know when your mom stares at you intently, something's wrong. Or your, or your spouse. You know, you get that look and you know, oh, what's wrong? What happened? what I do? what I say? But they look on him intently. Now, have you ever looked at anybody intently? No, we're New Yorkers. We don't know how to look at people for a long period of time. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's even uncomfortable now, right? <laughs> But think about it. He's got his arm out and they're like. 
Why intently? Why are they staring at him intently? Because there's a check in their spirit. They slowed down their business. Remember, they had an agenda. What was their agenda? They're going to the temple to pray. All of a sudden, oh. God stopped them. Something's going on. Now, I'm sure they didn't look at the man for five minutes, but they're, but they're staring, they're waiting. God's up to something. Hold on. Let's hear. Remember, maybe they're hearing what Jesus had said. My father is working until now, and I myself am working. Remember, Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing. Now the father's doing something, and these two men, these two newly filled spirit men, who less than two months ago denied him, ran away, went fishing, hid in a room, didn't believe that he had risen from the dead, ran to the, so were confused at only seeing a piece of cloth and not, not, not knowing where the, where the Lord was. These two men are now in the temple and they're going to be used by God. This is an exciting time. And so what's, what's happening? So you look on him intently. And there's a profound statement. Now we're looking for, you, you, you're, you're looking for something spiritual. Look at me. Look at me. And I, I, obviously they had been looking at each other for a, a short period of time. They were, I'm sure if this man's looking intently, maybe this man's eyes were down now. Because remember, he's a beggar. And beggars do not make a lot of eye contact. This has been this man's life for we don't know how long. It says that he was lame from birth. So we don't know how long he's been carried to the temple. And he's probably making money not only for himself. Probably more for somebody else. So there's not a lot of self-worth in this man. So he didn't have what you would say the desire to make contact with people. All he wanted, he, he would beg. So Peter and John say to him, look at us. And the man raises his eyes. And the second question, the second statement that he makes is, look, silver and gold I don't have. Kind of like everybody in this room. Silver and gold, we don't have. That's right. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of, Je of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Powerful statement. And they grasp the man's hand. And immediately, the Holy Spirit begins to move through them and bring this man's healing. 
There's a powerful pronoun statement here. I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. Now, does your Bible have an exclamation point? Because my Bible does. It's an exciting time here. Exclamation means that something exciting has just taken place. You know, it wasn't like, hey, listen, in, in, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. No, there was boldness here. There was strength. There was excitement. Because they're about to be used by God and do their first healing. That's pretty exciting if you ask me. So I, stare at me. Look at me. Silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, rise up and walk. You get it? There's excitement happening here. It's a profound statement. There's two profound statements here. The first statement is that Peter and John fixed their gaze on the man. Then asked the, the beggar to look them in the eye. Okay, big deal, right? Yeah, it's a big deal. Panhandlers who look people in the eye too long are often yelled at or mistreated. What are you looking at? What's your problem? Don't look at me. They know what it is to be rejected and abused. They know what it is to be, to be used for their disability. To profit from it. That's this beggar. So it's a big deal that two men asked for them, look at me. Panhandlers who look at people too long or often are yelled at or mistreated. It makes us uncomfortable. It's creepy. We typically avoid eye contact with beggars, don't we? It's easier that way. We don't have to think much about their plight. We can use our lack of compassion with platitudes about them being drunk or wasting money on drugs. Well, maybe some beggars do those things, but we will never know unless we care enough to get involved with them on a human level. To look someone in the eye reminds us that we are staring at Imagio Dei, the image of God. Peter and John wanted that interaction. They asked for it. They treated the, the beggar as a divine image. They, they treated the, the beggar as a divine image bearer. One can only imagine how many times they had watched Jesus do the same as he lived and moved among the outcast. Their second statement, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Here's, that's the second statement. And it's followed by a command to rise and walk. A historian reported that the venerable the, the, theologian Thomas Aquin, Aquinas, or Aquinas, or something like that, once visited Pope Innes II at his palace in Rome. Aquinas was stunned by the opulence the Pope was counting out a rather large mound of gold coins and turned to Aquinas and glibly quipped, You see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. To this, Thomas solemnly replied, Truly, Holy Father, 
but neither can she say now rise and walk when we replace God with things we lose our authority when we replace God with things we lose our power when we, lose, when we replace God with things, we lose our anointing. When we replace God with things, we lose our authority. When we replace God with things, we lose our boldness. We lose our compassion. We lose our vision of what God is doing. When we replace God with things. And so we see that the, ch that the church may have replaced God with things, and it not, need not be silver and gold. Now this man is instantly healed. It says that immediately he got to his feet and he began to walk. Now I got a little nervous with him on the stairs there. I was like, don't fall, don't fall. I mean, that's just me. But, you know, sometimes I can be like that. But he immediately got up. Now, it doesn't say he, he, he got up. He, he began to walk around. He began to use his feet. He's instantly healed. Western culture says you'll get better little by little. You're not feeling well? Give it some time. You'll get better. You're sick? Go for treatment, and in time, you'll get better. And I think we've replaced our expectation of instantaneous healing with, hang in there, you'll get better. See, this man was instantly healed. Now, if I remember correctly, when Jesus went and healed people, they were healed instantly. The blind saw, the lame walked, the deaf heard, the mute spoke, demons left, instantly. Jesus didn't say to him, it's going to take a little time. Your faith is a little weak. It's going to take a little time. Come back again. Come back until you get your answer. He is the answer. I think and Pastor Frank, you spoke in this a couple of months ago. That we're not seeing signs and wonders. And why aren't we seeing signs? Well, if Jesus heals instantly, why are we not seeing instantly? Well, Pastor Mike, you know, we get everything instantly. We're not getting healing instantly. We may get popcorn instantly. But we're not getting healed instantly. Well, you just keep hanging in there. And, and your answer is going to come. It's going to... But Jesus is the answer. And this made me question myself. I can't, why are we not seeing it? Have we bought into as a Western culture that healing takes time? Right? I mean, we don't walk into the doctor's office and then walk out and we're healed. Take this pill, these pills. Remember, they never a pill. It's not a magic. So it's take these pills and come back and see me, and we'll see how you're doing. So I, I think 
that we kind of look at healing as it being progressive instead of instantaneous. But according to the word and according to Jesus and faith in the name of Jesus and authority in the name of Jesus and boldness in the name of Jesus, healing is instantaneous. But we're settling for less. We are settling for less. And you say, well, I don't have faith. It's, it's not... <clears throat> None of those people that Jesus healed had faith. They had sickness. And he's the healer. You know, we say, oh, you got to have faith. No, all I got to do is I'm sick. I have to come and be healed by the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus. Hope there was a little anointing on that spit. Sorry about that. I'll stay away or I'll bring a raincoat the next time. We're missing something. And we're settling for unanswered prayer. Either he works and he is who he says he is or he's not. Well, I didn't get my healing. Something's wrong. And we got to find out what it is and fix it. Because if this is a mirror of what the church is supposed to be, we're falling far short. We have, I, I don't know. Something's, something's off. Naaman was healed instantly. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Okay, he had a little bit of a problem, but thank goodness for friends, he got into the water seven times, he came out brand new skin. The synagogue's ruler daughter was dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. No, just believe. Goes in, everybody's wailing and crying. And remember what Pastor was talking about the professional mourners, the fake mourners? She's not dead, she's just asleep. <laughs> Takes her by the hand, speaks over her, rises her up. The funeral in Nain. He's not only dead, he's about to be buried. He's in a box, you can't get more dead than that. You're just a few feet away from dirt being thrown on you. You're dead. Jesus sees the, the mother weeping. Knows that this is her only son. Touches the coffin. Bing. Let me out. I'm not dead yet. I want to go for a walk. Did Jesus say, you know what? Come back in a week. Put him in there. Put some water there. Just keep watering the ground and eventually he'll pop up. No. Now. He's alive. Take him home. Lazarus dead four days. Can't get more dead than four days. Four days. Count them. One, two, three, four days. Jesus stood back two days. The one you love is sick. Okay. Four days. Lazarus, come forth. In 
instantly. Take the cloths off him. Remember, the, the sister said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have. But there's something going on. The demoniac instantly healed. Paralyzed man by the pool of Bethesda. Do you want to get well? All sorts of excuses. Just take up your mat and go. Instantly. Boom. Go. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And that's the Jesus that Peter and John knew. And that's the Jesus that they gave to this man. And that's the Jesus that rose this man up. That's Jesus. Now, Peter and John, they make a grand entrance. Remember now, this man now is going, they go, they're about to go into, into the temple, and this man is leaping and jumping and praising God. He's making a commotion. Would we say to him, shh, quiet down, we're going to church. Shh, don't make a, don't make a scene. It's solemn in there. People are already seated. You're going to make a commotion. You're going to ruin the service. Let's just take our seats and be quiet. Let's make like nothing happened. No. This man's leaping and praising God and jumping around, hooting and hollering. And Pete, Peter and John are right there with him. No. Bring attention to us. Bring attention to us. Bring attention to God. Bring attention. Go for it. Leap, holler, shout. Go for it. Wake up the dead. So they make a grand entrance. They didn't just go in and take a seat. There was a commotion. There was leaping. There was loud praising of God. And then there's the response of the crowd. They see the man walking and leaping and loudly praising God. What's going on? What's happening? I thought we were here for prayer. Did God change the service? Yes, he did. They recognize who he is. Wait a minute. We just stepped over him to get into the temple. He's walking now. He's leaping. He's praising God. What's going on? It says, and now, it says this. It says that they were filled with wonder and amazement. Now, children, have, how, how many of you have little children? They are always filled with wonder and amazement. We're filled with boredom and been there and done that. When was the last time you jumped into a leaf pile? But, you but to a kid, I can jump in that. Do you understand? Wonder and amazement. Jesus said, unless you be like little children. You can't see the kingdom of God. We've lost wonder and amazement. Now, they're filled with wonder and amazement. Check, check this out. In the New Living Translation, it says, when they realized he, he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. Those are powerful words. 
And when Jesus does something so powerful, people become absolutely astonished. They're filled with wonder and amazement. The church isn't moving in the power of God. And so the outside cannot be filled with wonder and amazement. They look at us in a different light. Wonder and amazement. Absolutely astounded. God took over the prayer service. Now Peter begins his second service. He gives glory to God. He said, you know, he begins to say, why are you so amazed? At, like it was something that we've done by our own strength or by our own godliness. What you see here is being done by the power of God and by the authority of Jesus Christ. He gives glory to God. He puts the emphasis on Jesus. We didn't do this. 60 days ago, I denied him. 60 days ago, I was asleep in the garden. 60 days ago, I caught off a servant's ear and then I ran. 60 days ago, I got as close as I could without getting uncomfortable. And then when they asked me if I was one of his disciples, I said no. 60 days ago. He gives glory to God. He and he reminds them of their offense. This Jesus who did this 60 days ago. Now don't hold me to a little bit of 60 days. But remember, it's a very short time. You guys denied him and released a, a, a murderer in the midst and denied the Holy One. Those are strong words. That's a strong sermon. But it's what, you, what strong sermons are needed to shake people out of their slumber and keep people from being comfortable in their sin. And so he begins to have this sermon. He explains how the man was healed. He validates the miracle. You, now, you know how the crippled man was before. This was the man at the beautiful gate. He reiterates the power of having faith in the name of Jesus. He demonstrates grace. How did he demonstrate grace? Because he begins to say brothers. See, he told them what they were, he told them what they were in, a, in a way that, that got, you know, you did this to Jesus. We all did. But you did this to Jesus. Brothers. There's grace all of a sudden. Brothers. I want to read that for you in just a minute. I want to find it. I want you to see the grace that's offered here. Men of Israel, or brothers, or 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 as it says in, in another, friends, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which was performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man was delivered over to the to determination plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men. You put him to death, but God raised him again. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, he begins to walk on familiar ground with them. He's now, remember, he's the fisher of men now. He's beginning to pull them in. He pushed them aside, he pushed them aside by pointing a finger and telling them what they had done. Now he's bringing them closer to God. He gives him a biblical history lesson. Then he shows him the way of salvation.
And then he tells them the benefits of salvation. He tells them to repent so that your sins may be washed away. Repent. And then he says that your sins may be what? That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. There's a benefit to salvation. You get refreshed. There's a benefit to repentance. God refreshes you. He gives them sound theology. He tells them that the prophet, what the prophet Moses spoke about. Listen, go back and, and, and he says, go back and, and, and investigate this yourselves. The prophets spoke about this. From Samuel on, they spoke about this. Read, read the scriptures. Find out if what I'm saying isn't true. He challenges them. Then he tells them the consequences of rejecting the truth. Remember he said, remember what Moses said, that if you reject this prophet, you'll be cut off from your people. He gave them message, and he gave them truth, but it didn't leave them comfortable in their sin. He told it like it was. And he gives a strong, personal conclusion. He says, for you first, God raised up his servant and he sent him to bless you by turning you, by turning every one of you away from your wicked ways. That's a blessing to turn people from their wicked ways. It's a blessing to them and it's a blessing to us. So it's a strong personal conclusion. Now, Peter and John thought they were going into a prayer service, but God turned it into a healing service. The beggar turned it into a worship service. The crowd turned it into a joyful service. Peter turned it into an evangelistic service. But what kind of service wasn't it? It wasn't a prayer service. See, they went there for prayer. We're going to pray. And God interrupted the service because they allowed it. They were open to what God was doing. And because God's agenda turned around, a man was healed, God was glorified, sin, sin was confronted, and people were challenged to repent from their wicked ways. Amen? Amen. Read ahead on to Acts chapter 4, because now comes the opposition. See, we get surprised when we do something for God, the next day we have a bad day. I was just used by God yesterday, but today I'm a sinner. No, you're not. There's opposition. You pushed, and he pushed. Now the, now the, the devil is going to push back in chapter 4. But read ahead and see their response. Amen? And let's learn how to respond when the enemy pushes back too. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, all I can say is help us. And I include me in this. Help us to get back to that place where healing is instantaneous. The people, even the people of God, are filled with wonder and amazement, astonishment, so that your fame can go out from behind from beyond these walls and say that there's something happening in full gospel center people are not only being saved but they're being healed they're being delivered jesus is moving in a powerful way bring us to that place lord
Thank you. Do a work in us, Lord. Personally and corporately. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand.